0: The, the season we're in before God and it may be that, that we're in a season and that this, this specific now word isn't for us but there may be some people here where actually it is the end of one season and the beginning of another and um, I actually feel, I feel we feel it's the end of a, an intensity or a darker, harder season and the beginning of a new light healing season So we welcome Rebecca up now to speak. I'm super excited. I don't think I've ever heard you do a talk, so I'm really excited. Um, The way to win at life, isn't that great? Win at life. is have a growth mindset. So there's always more to learn, always more growing. I learn new stuff every day. It's a great way to live. So we're going to learn from Rebecca. We're going to sit at her feet today and learn from God through her. We're just so, so grateful and so privileged that you would bring Andrew and Rebecca here. We're so delighted when you talk about you love God or money or you you despise one or the other. Just despise money compared to people. People are just where the money is. (laughs) and we're just so so grateful for the generous gift of you to us and we welcome what you have to say and we sit at your feet and listen to you today amen
1: thanks very much alice i thought i'd come a bit closer to you because it feels a bit further back back there i didn't realize how heavy this was so (laughs) that's quite heavy waddling forwards with it but i thought i'd start with a question for you to ask one another uh, around your tables, just about two minutes talking. Andrew told me to point the clicker at the back. I'm still pointing it this way, I think that's my instinct. But the question is, what's the most physically challenging thing you've ever done? So turn to the people around you, two minutes, most physically challenging thing you've ever done. Okay, about 10 more seconds. 10 more seconds. Okay, I wonder if anybody would like to share? Anybody would like to shout out? So long as it's appropriate. The most physically challenging thing you've ever done. Alice says having a baby. Yeah, Nat. Becoming a dad. Being a father. Nice. Yeah, Tanya. Going to a very high building. Oh, wow. Wow. Dressed as Santa, were you when you threw yourself off that building? It's very dramatic. <laughs> I like that. Okay, anyone else? One more. Yeah, Janet. My son, who now lives with me, he used to be working in Africa, and uh, so I always used to go and stay with him. Yeah. Where we used to go and
0: climb hills, mountains, and mountains. yeah,
1: kind of hiking. yeah it's amazing were you dressed as Santa as you did it (laughs) no not like Tanya it's amazing isn't it the different physical challenges we've all all done mine I thought I would share mine at the beginning and uh, it came to my head immediately when I thought about this question and it was a bike ride and it was a bike ride on holiday and it was supposed to be, well, it was through this old railway line that had kind of turned into a cycle path, and there were mountains, and there were these big kind of um, mud banks, and you kind of cycled through those, and then you cycled through this dark tunnel, and it was all very dramatic. And Andrew and I uh, were together, and we hired bikes, and we decided to, we weren't going to do the usual 12K cycle. That was too short for us. We would do the 60K cycle. I don't actually know if that's far, because I haven't really done much cycling since. But for us, it turned out to be very far. And the way out was stunning. Um, I actually looked up, I had a like holiday journal, and I looked up what I'd written, because I thought that would be quite amusing. And I'm quite a dramatic writer, so it started, oh, a day to rival all other days. (laughs) Dot, 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 the day of the bike ride. (laughs) And so we cycled out, and it was beautiful, and it was sunny, and we enjoyed the views, and we thought, oh, this is good fun. Apparently, the last 6K was hard, but then we stopped to have lunch, recuperated, and we started cycling back. And what I didn't realize was that we'd been cycling with the wind, and on the way back, we were cycling against the wind. Are there any cyclists here? Oh, my goodness. It's hard cycling against the wind. On the way, we were cycling about 16K per hour on average. On the way back, my speed dial went down to 2K per hour. And these, like, people were walking past me quicker. And these wind, these kind of, like, big steep banks that had been all very dramatic and nice suddenly became wind tunnels. I described it as being pummeled by the wind, just stopping. We had to stop several times. I was crying. And I had, like, snot. <laughs> A snot moustache. And um, and it was disgusting. But because it was so windy, I couldn't wipe my face. <laughs> so I had I was just this, this disgusting mess. But the reason I wanted to focus on something physically challenging is uh, because of the passage we're about to read. We're continuing in, oh yeah, wait, you might like to see this. This is us at the end of the cycle. I don't know if you can see my smile, but I'm like ecstatic (laughs) to have reached the end. I can't tell you. It took us I think over six hours in the end, two hours there, and then over four hours back. Uh, So yes, we're in a series on Acts at the moment and Acts is a book in the New Testament in the Bible and the central figure in Acts is a guy called Paul and we're following his journey and Paul has gone on and goes on lots of mission trips and he goes around and his particular task uh, he feels laid upon him by God is to speak to people who aren't Jews about Jesus' death and resurrection and share that good news with them. And so we pick up in part of his journey, Acts 20. I've decided to use the NIV because it uses the particular imagery I want to use, uh, I want to talk about today. But let me just read this out. And now, compelled by the Spirit, this is uh, Paul speaking, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. As a visual person, I quite liked, or I was drawn to that image of a race. I don't know if anyone in the most physical challenge kind of question said, a race, if you did put your hand up. Did anyone say yeah, Katie, a couple of people. So some some of the most physically challenging things people have done are races. And there were two things that stood out to me about race, and particularly athletes, and that is the element of challenge in a race. Here Paul's talking about his life, the, the kind of task that he believes God has given him as a race. So there's an element of challenge in it, and also an athlete's focus. So just by coincidence, I was... Oh, there you go, challenge and focus. It's a prompt for me as well as <laughs> as much as anything else. Challenge and focus, two things. So this guy, Andy Murray, has anyone seen his new... He's going to have done a documentary film, promo here, called Resurfacing. Andy Murray. And um, Andy Murray, if anyone doesn't know, is a kind of pro tennis player, and he was first in the world. And he's done this new doc- documentary, because when he was at his peak at number one in the world, he got a hip injury. And spent a couple of years in recovery, and this is called to break point and back. And it just really struck me when I was, you know, I was pondering this talk today. And he faces this challenge of this hip injury when he's at the peak of his career, and his focus to get back to physical optimum, or just even get back on the court, is huge. The amount of physio, the amount of professionals around him, it's just he even has these injections in his hip where they burnt some of the nerve endings. So that he just didn't feel the pain so much, and he had a couple of those, and he kept trying. And anyway, we haven't finished it yet, so who knows what happens? But that'll be this afternoon's activity. But that felt like a good example of challenge and focus. And uh, these strapping lads, (laughs) woo! (laughs) These strapping lads. Who knew that in the um, ancient games, the athletes used to perform naked? It's kind of you know aerodynamic. I don't know what it was. But they did. Um, Anyway, these guys. So in Paul's time, so the guy who wrote the book of Acts was one of Paul's companions called Luke. And in, in Paul's time, so over 700 years before Jesus came into the world, there was ancient games were being performed in a town called Olympia or a city called Olympia in Greece. And it makes up what we know to be the Olympics today. And I didn't realise until looking into this just how huge these Games were. So there were truces between nations so that pro athletes from around the world could get to Greece to compete. These were like huge, huge Olympic Games or Games, later known as the Olympic Games and Paul, you know, there's nothing in the Bible about Paul going to the Olympic Games, I wish there was I think that would be quite interesting (laughs) but he went to Greece several times as part of his missionary journeys and he was he kind of travelled around Middle East and Asia so he would have known that these were happening so I think that's a bit of a context for Paul, is a similar kind of intensity of the athletes that we have today, so whether that's Andy Murray or, you know, an Olympian there's that similar element of challenge and focus that we see today and, um, and when I was thinking about this, I found it interesting that Paul decided to describe his life, his journey, as a race because of that element of challenge. That's the first thing I'm going to focus on, because Paul, as we all are, are called, commissioned to walk with Holy Spirit inside us, so much so that we see God's kingdom and God's will unfolding before us. And Paul, in his life, saw the most amazing things. He saw hundreds of people's lives turned around. He saw healings. He saw miracles. He's, he had kind of an amazing encounter himself. And yet, there's this paradox that his personal life was still one of challenge and still one of hardship. He faced much persecution. He was beaten. He, his life was constantly threatened. The lives of his friends were threatened uh, and so on. And... It reminded me of Jesus as well. Jesus like walks out the most amazing life where he's seeing breakthrough all around him, day in, day out in other people's lives. But that didn't necessarily mean that his life was free of challenge. And it felt like quite a paradox that I think sometimes we face day in, day out as well. With that call to bring God's kingdom, to, to walk in step with the Holy Spirit, we also face challenges. And I bet everybody in this room could probably think of some area of their life now where they're facing challenge, however big, however small, in whatever way that looked like. And also, I pray and I hope, some area of breakthrough. And we continually walk in this challenge between the two. And my question was, was then, how do you reconcile that tension? How did Jesus and Paul see so much breakthrough? And yet also stay so close to God while they were having their own trials and hardships and challenges. And the place I came to with this was that they were focused. So there's that element of challenge, but they were focused on God and on their union with Holy Spirit, on their walking out with him. And um, I'll talk a little bit in a minute about a story about my own experience of challenge, and it's not by any means, you know, on the spectrum of challenge, it, it feels quite minor, but in that, um, in that time of challenge, I felt God teach me about uh, response to challenge, because I'm not doing a talk on the theology of suffering, if I'm it that's you know, I'm still trying to wrestle with God about that and doing reading up on that myself. Um, But I did feel like he taught me about my response. And I felt like he, I I kind of realized that my faith in Jesus is dangerously hinged, is, is dangerously positioned if it's hinged primarily on what God does or doesn't do in my challenging circumstance as opposed to on who he is. I say that again. My my faith is really dangerously positioned if it's hinged on in the in moments of challenge, if it's hinged on what he does or doesn't do for me, as opposed to who he is. I think so often um, we can seek God for resolution to circumstances in our timing, in our way, and. Um, Again, in my experience, it very rarely happens in the way that I imagine. And I do believe God loves bringing breakthrough and, you know, so on. As I said, there's this tension. The kingdom of God's advancing, and yet we still face challenge. Jesus did. Paul did. um, And that's an interesting place to sit. So a bit about my story. um, I'll kind of try and whistle-stop through it, because I just don't want it to take up too much time. But about... And um, five years ago, four, four five years ago, Jez will know this story well because I was working for him at the time. He's a great boss. My first day, my first day, let's not publicize this too much, but my first day I was reading lots of policies and documents, but Jez was also like, hey, I've got a meeting in a minute. Can you just prayer cover the meeting? And uh, that was amazing. I didn't know work could look like that. So I want to honor you for that. Really thank you for teaching me about what it looked like to work in a business setting um, as a Christian. Okay, so my story. So about four or five years ago, I was um, diagnosed with something called a benign pituitary tumour. Um, And that's quite a mouthful. But it effectively means a benign brain tumour that um, grew on top of my hormone gland in my brain, called the pituitary. And uh, it led to about six months of steep decline in health. And I reached a point where I was sent to the opticians to have my eyes tested. Uh, because they thought I might be, I might need glasses, basically, <laughs> and, and so I went I po- pootled off to the opticians. And during that time, they found out that I'd lost about a third of my vision in each side of my eyes, like blinkers of a horse. And what's quite funny in hindsight was that I was starting to get a bit judgmental of drivers because <laughs> you know when you have the whole blind spot. And people would, like, casually, like, look over their shoulder to check their blind spot. And when I was driving, I had to, like, <laughs> turn right round because I just couldn't see. And it was one of those funny moments where I thought everybody else was really blasé about something. But actually, I realized that I was the one that was the odd one out. So funny things like that. But in all seriousness, they were kind of, um, it wasn't the nicest time and it was scary. There were a number of days where I didn't know what was wrong. But I knew something was significantly wrong with my head, most likely. Um, And so it's kind of one of those dark times where you have questions. But it was also one of those times of challenge where I was like, okay, well, I'm praying, obviously. But actually my faith can't depend on what God does or doesn't do here because I've heard stories of miraculous healing and also medical healing. But I've also heard stories where there hasn't been healing. And so my faith has to be based on him. Well, that's anyway what I realized later on. Um, but the, I need to finish up that story because sometimes I leave it open-ended and people are like, what happened? <laughs> um, and the good news is I, God was really present in that time and there were prophetic words and he felt really close. But um, I was admitted to hospital and had an MRI scan and then diagnosis and got medication because it's amazingly can be treated by medication. So the growth has now shrunk to an, a size that the consultants are happy with. It's no longer... Um, kind of pressing into my optic nerves and so my vision has returned which is really cool but it was a bit of like um, a year's recovery or so because it was affecting my hormones so I was a bit of a mad person (laughs) for a while Um, yeah and then since then so this is more recently now Um, But in the past year, I've had a couple of episodes of what doctors have diagnosed as post-traumatic stress relating to that incident four or five years ago. And I've basically had symptoms that were similar to the ones I first experienced. And in my survival mode, my brain has told me it's something serious, but it's something more serious than it was last time. And so that's kind of built up this fear about, around health and, and my health. And so I was taking this to God uh, one day in worship. And that's kind of why I'm still on this journey about suffering and the theology behind it. But I was talking to him about my situation. And I had a picture of me in a boat in a storm. And I had a picture of Jesus walking towards me in a storm, which is also a story reflected in the Gospels and the books that talk about Jesus' life when Jesus walks towards the disciples in a boat in a storm. And he just said to me, Rebecca, fix your eyes on me. Fix your eyes on me. And it sounds really simple, but it's actually quite hard to do when you're in the middle of a storm. <laughs> Storms make quite a lot of noise. And what's amazing then about this story in the in the Gospels in Matthew fourteen, it talks about just kind of paraphrase but there's one disciple who says to jesus if it's you let me get out of the boat and walk towards you A disciple called peter jesus says yeah come and the disciple starts walking out to him and um as soon as he takes his eyes off jesus and looks at the winds and the waves he starts to sink and so that felt like it it directly re- reflected what what i felt god was saying to me and then i found this sorry i left the nudie men up there didn't i while I was telling my, my story, there were some naked men on the screen. So skipping forward, this is Jesus in the storm, much more appropriate for the story I was telling. <laughs> and then this is, uh, some passages from Hebrews. And the book of Hebrews, again, it's in the New Testament and it was written by, um, most likely, kind of scholars, theologians think another one of Paul's companions. So Acts was written by a guy called Luke and uh, Hebrews was probably written by Apollos or Barnabas, and, uh, and so some others of Paul's companions. So I find it interesting that they use a similar image, so I'm going to read this out now. It says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So again, we have that idea of challenge, that the race must be difficult because he has to persevere. You don't need to persevere if it's something easy. And again, we have that sense of focus, fix your eyes on Jesus. And it talks about Jesus being the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. So going back to Jesus for a minute and his, his hardship and trials and um, going back to him as our example. I'm not saying that when we come across challenges, we kind of bury them and we just look to God. And, you know, sometimes that's false. <laughs> That's kind of, it's a bit burying the problem. But I am saying that we bring the, the challenge to God and we face him. And in doing that, fix our eyes on him. So Jesus, the night before he, um, he died on the cross, he was praying in a garden called, called Gethsemane. And he was so scared, he was sweating blood. And he was crying out to God and he was saying, God, God, take this cup of suffering away from me. Take away the pain. And in in my own heart i can I can feel that prayer sometimes where we want God to do something in our way or our timing, and yet Jesus comes to this amazing place of trust and release of control, where He says, "But not my will, but yours be done there 's something so humbling and so amazing uh, about that, and in fixing his eyes on God, it said, "For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, which is one of the most crazy verses, I think, of Scripture. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And I was thinking about that joy. And I, again, found it interesting that the the sentence goes on to say, um, he scorned its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. There's something about in that moment in Gethsemane, he fixed his eyes on God. And for the joy set before him, and I just... I can almost see there being a joy set before him of salvation, of mankind, and, and that kind of thing, but also simply of being like, I get to sit next to my dad. And that focus, um, that focus, focus on God, that he delighted in God for who God was over what God did or didn't do in that moment. I think was really interesting again as I was pondering this was both Paul and Jesus lived these radical lives where they saw the most amazing things and they saw Holy Spirit working through them in the most amazing ways and they also faced challenges for them it was mainly persecution and and I think we should you know we are overcomers so we we want to be praying for breakthrough and going for breakthrough in in areas of our life But their, their faith wasn't dependent upon that and I think their, their walk in union with the Spirit and their walk in union with God was actually what enabled them to both see the supernatural, see amazing breakthrough and transformations in people's lives, and also to keep their faith when they came across trials of, in suffering. It's kind of, I think the same plumb line running through them was their walk with God. Jesus, again, he's quoted in the gospel saying, I only do the will of my father. I only say what he tells me to say. He's so focused. He's so in union with God. And similarly, in the first pastors we read, Paul um, is quoted saying, my only aim is to finish this race, to run this race. I think it might be good to pray I've kind of come to the end of what I want to say but the, the gist of it is fix our eyes on God fix our eyes on God for breakthrough for the miraculous fix our eyes on God in times of challenge as well come to him with our petitions with our pleas, our requests but don't pen him into what he does with that I'm going to invite us to stand. I might, uh, yeah, Esther, would you just jump up and create some background noise? That'd be nice. So we've got about five minutes before it's time to collect the kids. So let us um, spend a moment in, in stillness now, whatever that looks like for you I close my eyes just because it helps me to concentrate when I'm praying Lord God we come before you now we come before you just as we are Holy Spirit, we invite you to remind us of areas of breakthrough or overcoming in our lives. We praise you for them. We thank you for them. And we also bring before you moments of challenge, things that are challenging at the moment. we put them before your feet. I found it amazing earlier that Esther felt so much of worship was about loving God and focusing on him. And I think it feels right to do that now in a bit more worship, and, but particularly using this worship time to fix our eyes on God and any place that it's, they've wavered. If you'd like people to pray for you during the next bit of time, do um, grab people around you and ask them to pray for anything in particular. But otherwise, we're going to worship it for a bit,
0: and Alice will jump up when it's time to collect kids.